0: Hi, this is Bianca, and this is Anna, your hosts of Girl Talk Monday's podcast, where we discuss female empowerment, love and relationships, and everything in between. In this podcast, we speak to founders of fashion businesses, content creators, entrepreneurs, psychologists, and authors, to inspire women to
1: reach and fulfill their dream careers. So welcome to Girl Talk Mondays! Mondays.
0: episode we speak to Merit Moore. Merit is a quantum physicist with degrees from Harvard University and the University of Oxford, as well as a professional ballet dancer for the Zurich Ballet, Boston Ballet, amongst others. She was awarded Forbes 30 under 30 and challenges the stereotypes for women in STEM to pave a new career path for herself.
1: She's redefining what's possible for art, technology, and humanity by fusing the performing arts with robots.
2: Like the physics, I think, started when I was very young. Uh, Dad would like take my sister and I out onto the balcony and we'd like look up in the stars and do constellation mapping. We would constantly be feeding us questions like, do you think there's life out there? Was there just one big bang, or will there be multiple big things? How big is infinity? How many planets do you think are out there? So I'd constantly then like every time I went outside, any time I looked at anything, I'm like questions would start um, running through my head and... I was always fascinated with that. And then I also love puzzles and putting things together. And that's what i get in trouble for as a kid. It's like my parents would be like, "Man, I go to sleep? Because I'd be like staying up. I'd like sneak out and like work on a puzzle, like a 3D puzzle. Um, and so that combination of, I think, the questions and loving to put things together drew me to math. And then that led me to physics because physics is all about like understanding and asking questions and then the math that comes with physics is like a lot of I just love tossing things out on both sides of an equation and like you know like problem solving in that way the more I learned about it they there are all these questions in terms of like like quantum mechanics and there's this whole bizarre world that happens at a very small level where you'll get this wave particle duality things act like a particle sometimes, but then it kind of acts like a wave and then you have the superposition and, and it's just like this bizarre world that you don't really understand, but we see evidence of it. And so we start to build technology. So like quantum computers and, and quantum cryptography. So, so you can create things and build things that have an impact and, and um, research stuff that's practical to the world but also still continues to like boggle our minds where we're just like, we still don't really understand how this works, but we're going to like, we know it does work. So we're going to make it into technology, but it's me like, it's just like this weird, bizarre, like, um, yeah, it's kind of like magic for adults. Like something like, Whoa, how did that happen? And so I just love it. and, And to this day, I just, I'm always just so amazed by how, bizarre the world is and how brilliant it is.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Honestly, we were talking about um, you know, your job before we jumped on the call with you, and we were just trying to really understand Mm -hmm. what it is that you do because it's such a I think it's such a vast concept that people will go about their whole lives thinking about. You know what I mean? Like it's something that is not very easy to figure out. So yeah, we thought it was extremely, extremely interesting. But we also wanted to ask you, does it have anything to do with your interest um, in ballet or are they two separate things in your life?
2: For a long time, they were very separate. And where I did ballet and I loved ballet and I loved the movement and I loved how authentic like it felt to do it. And then I did physics. I think there are a couple of reasons why I kept them so separate. One was, like, any time I mentioned in the physics world that I'd dance, there was, like, this feeling or there was this kind of feedback I'd get being like, oh, you dance? Like, so you don't like physics. I was like, because I like something else, it doesn't mean it's taking away from the physics. Like, I'm still here 10 hours a day. Like, I'm. you guys have a lot on my tap, you know? Like, but there was, like, this weird thing where it's, like, oh, you can go hang out at a bar on Friday nights, but if you go dance, it means you're not loyal to physics. So I, I think I would be quiet about dancing in the physics world. And then in the dance world, it was kind of that same thing, being like, Meredith, if, you're gonna, if you want to pursue ballet, pursue ballet and don't do something else because it's just going to distract you and take away from it. So I think I kind of quietly was like, okay, we're just going to see like month by month if I can pers- continue pursuing both. And and also, I really cared about pursuing things with excellence, and so I never merged them or I never had tried to merge them together. Like if I was going to pursue physics, I went to the top universities that I could to pursue the physics, and if I was going to do ballet, I went to the top ballet companies. I just, I really cared about pursuing the excellence of it. Yeah, and so I think I was pursuing it for about 10 years. I mean, it was four years of undergrad and five years of PhD but juggling both for over a decade. At the end of my PhD, I just thought, you know, why not both? Like, everyone's like, you have to decide. I was just like, but why? Like, I've now done it for over a decade. Like, and I kept trying to, un- I kept being like, oh, okay. And I kept quitting dance. And then, and I at some point, I was just like, why not both? And I think that's when I started thinking about how to blend them together. And so I've been working on, was working on like virtual reality projects, incorporated the physical movement, also trying to open people's minds up, up to what it might feel like in a quantum environment or then now working with robots, like dancing with robots and seeing if that can enhance the artistic form, but also like scientific research. And so now all my projects combine the two. Yeah, when I was starting, I just kept them very separate.
0: Wow, this is so impressive because I actually understand a lot about the career of a ballerina. I did ballet when I was really young until 12 years old. My sister wanted to pursue being a professional ballet dancer and only stopped um, a few years ago. So Ballet really takes a toll on you mentally and physically. It's an art form, but like you said, you know, you are striving for excellence. Ballet is only about excellence. The fact that you've been able to combine both crafts, and like you said, you know, there is no room for error. So I feel like that's quite Mm -hmm. ingrained in, like, perhaps the way that you live your life. Mm -hmm. But you're chasing two dreams, and now you're combining the two together. I want to know if there was ever a time you felt like, balancing the two was too demanding, or how did you reach almost like perfection or excellence in both of these fields at the same time?
2: Oh, I mean, it definitely had, and always will, and always do, because I think the more you, you excel at something, the more you see the flaws. <laughs> you know, in the physics world, I just meet brighter and brighter people, and so I'm like, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I'm not like, like questioning, I'm like, hmm, I feel a little dumb today. <laughs> um but they're always like so smart around me that I'm like oh I'm so inspired I want to be like them but I definitely been plagued by the doubt god I had them a lot during college because I was pursuing physics which was you know most people said like when I started physics I didn't show instantaneous brilliance at it right like I was a girl that was like you know, I'd have to read it and then read it again and read the page again and then go ask the teacher and then read it again like 10 times and go ask the teacher again. And they were just like, Mary, you are like working way too hard at this. Like, like just do something that you're better at. <laughs> um, you know, but I just really loved it. And I was like, just I just want to stay in the class. So there were those doubts of whether or not I'd make it in physics. And then, you know, I started dance so late. So there were definitely the doubts of whether or not I would ever make it as a professional ballet dancer. And then there were the doubts of, am I now shooting myself in the foot because I'm pursuing both? So both are quite hard. And it was like, because I'm doing both doesn't mean that I'm cutting off the option of ever becoming a professional ballet dancer and ever becoming a physicist. Now that I'm working extra hard and making tons of sacrifices and not going to parties or hanging out with friends and my whole life from... 5 a.m. to midnight is dedicated to physics and dance. Like every five minutes is scheduled out. You know, am I, because I'm pursuing both, eliminating the possibility of doing either? I definitely had those doubts. And, and the hard thing was it just took so long to get to there. Like I was putting in, it wasn't just like a couple of days of hard work, right? It was days and months and then years uh, without any feedback or return and being like, you're actually going in that you're going to make it like there was nothing telling me I was going to make it so it's a little bit like oh my god this is you know you you have to choose a path and you just go down it and you're like we're just going to go in this one direction uh, like hopefully there's an off-ramp <laughs> and like you know but you're just still you're kind of stuck on that road for a long time um so those were definitely the doubts that I had but I had little tricks that I would do for myself to alleviate that pressure just being very kind to myself and like if I don't make it in either how am I going to be happy by this situation like how am I going to still be happy looking back even if I don't make it because I don't perform as well under a ton of pressure and so I would just like constantly figure out be like okay no, at this audition I'm going to work on being a more generous spirit and a bigger and better pers- person so that even if I Never make it as a ballet dancer. I know in that audition, I worked on improving myself for myself in the future, even if that didn't work out. So there are like little things that I would do that would, that I would just feel like, okay, you know what? I'm just improving myself, increasing my brain capacity, and just learning things for me. So even if I don't make it, I'll still be happy. And the other thing was, I had heard a lot of particularly older women who would talk to me and be like, oh, you know, I used to be so good, but I thought I was terrible and I quit, but I wish I hadn't. And so I was like, that's the one thing. I don't want that regret.
1: I think that is so important because a lot of the times people are just chasing dreams because they see this end goal of what they want to do and what they want to look like when they get there. But if you always strive to improve yourself and to always make Mm -hmm. yourself proud, then ultimately whatever the outcome is, you'll just be happy that you've gotten so far. So yeah. definitely something for everyone to just take mm-hmm. in and take the pressure off themselves as well. Yeah. just um, be for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to know, now we talked about the more difficult aspects. I want to mm-hmm. know what you love the most about your career and what brings you the most joy.
2: There's something about dance. It's really my happy place. It's like, I feel like I'm gonna tear up anytime I think about it not being part of my life. There's something about the music and physically being able to express myself in a very authentic, raw way that just is, and that constant improvement is so addictive about it, um, and just huge part of who I am. Um, so that part of it I love immensely, and then I love, yeah, it's just like learning and improving and creating so like doing things. And so whether it's in the lab, like creating experiments and doing experiments or now it's creating dances with robots and pursuing that, putting things together and making something I find super rewarding. And and like it's like that creative aspect of like having a little bit of freedom as well to kind of go with where, the flow like to go where I'm feeling it <laughs> yeah I just I love it, it just make me love like every day you know there's hard obviously a lot of hard work I think that's
0: so wonderful <laughs> because it's it's very very rare to live your dream life and have your passion almost as your actual job I feel like people speak a lot about you know wanting their passion to be their job but also as soon as they start doing it The fact that their passion now feels like work and that kicks in makes them Mm -hmm. like it a lot less and enjoy it a lot less than they used to. So I don't know how you feel about that if, you know, working so hard at it but also feeling like you love dance. You know, how do you manage that as well?
2: Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I I think it's because I've kind of been on the sidelines. I've been in this weird zone where... I've been in ballet companies for a year, you know, and then been back in school for a year and then ballet company for a year. Um, so I'm constantly, like, in it, but then it's not like I've been in it since I was six, like, for 20 years mm-hmm. and just been in the studio, where um, then I, th- I think my passion for it, yeah, would, would uh, become more difficult. Um, and it is also an interesting thing. Like, I was having this conversation. Uh, there, we had a bunch of creatives, in a room like from all different fields and the and the question was like when do you feel most creative and I was so curious like so someone who's in tech was like oh when I go and practice tango that's when I feel most creative but then the ballet dancer who does that is is like oh when I'm like playing around with fashion and then like someone else you know who's like a painter was like you know oh when I'm doing tai chi like it was (laughs) even though they all have like insanely creative jobs like the times they felt most creative was when, when they weren't doing their profession, so it was just like also an interesting thing of like yeah it's 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 a difficult thing of like I think when you become expert and like professional there there are a lot more rules and formulas that you're meant to follow, and so it's a tricky balance of you know giving respect to the rules and and the knowledge that has passed before you, but also being willing to break them break those rules a little bit so that your profession still feels creative.
1: I would actually love to know, have you ever done, have you ever studied anything different or worked in a different kind of job? Like, how did you know this was right for you? What would you recommend for people to find that in their jobs? Mm.
2: So I've never, except well, ballet company is sort of a nine to five job, but I've never worked at a nine to five job in terms of like a sit at the desk job. And I think uh, for better or for worse, actually, because, I don't know. I think there's just something in me that's a little stubborn. So when I finished my PhD, I mean, I was starting from zero. There was literally zero in the bank. (laughs) And I want to pursue dancing again. Like I want to do, I want to push for this. And it's very uncertain, but I was like, I want want to push for that and continue pursuing the science. I don't think I, I couldn't do it any other way. I'm a bit of an optimist. I'm like, if I put in the hard work, it does pay off. I think people around me, who, who are like mentors or support me are like, oh my God, we, like it, it's very hard for them to watch. <laughs> so I'm just like, it's fine. I'm going to jump off the building. Like, I'm sure this parachute will work. You know? <laughs> um, they're like, will you please test the parachute before you jump? So there's definitely things where I'm like, it's a little leap of faith. And like, for instance, during the pandemic, I persuaded the robot company to lend me a robot and I invested months into just creating content with it without any knowledge of where it was going or what was going to happen with it, or definitely didn't think that there was going to be any, had no plan of how an income was going to come from this. So it's just interesting now in 2021, okay, these robot dancers are now like my main means of income and like just performed, in at, or was invited by America's Got Talent to go perform for them. And it's been featured in like Times and BBC and Vogue, et cetera. So would that never, I mean, at the time it was like a crazy loop of faith in, in me investing days and hours to just creating content with no idea where I was going or what I was going to do.
0: I think that that's how great things are made. And if you just follow a specific path, especially in, in the field that you're in, it's not going to lead to success or discovery. And by creating new things, and therefore having to invest your time without knowing what's going what's going to happen with it is all a part of the field and the beauty of of you know the arts and what you do but i would also like to talk more about that because yeah that's around the time that i've also started to discover you and i was so intrigued by your experimentation with dance and like teaching this robot how to dance with you so can you tell us more about what inspired you to do this And also, what do you think about the future of AI in the field of dance?
2: So I was at Norwegian National Ballet uh, before the pandemic, and I was doing like super classical ballets like La Bayadere and Swan Lake, which I was like really appreciating, but also missing the lab and playing around with the technology side. And, And also when you're performing those pieces, like the classical works, it becomes a little repetitive. So I was looking for something kind of new and a friend of a friend had a robot choose. <laughs> like, you know, that was her job. And I was like, mm, can I go play around with the robot? Um, and so I'd like rush over after rehearsals and between shows and just start playing with it. And what I'm really intrigued by is having watched, have you watched that AlphaGo documentary? So it's this documentary about an AI its machine, Alpha, that like plays the world-class champion at Go, this this game. And you see that the AI machine is able to come up with these incredibly creative, different, unique solutions and ways to play the game that humans had never seen before. Because the number of possibilities of playing Go, it's like more than the number of stars in the, in the universe. Like there's so many different ways to put it together. And so the AI machine showed so many more possibilities that humans weren't even aware of. And so what I've really been intrigued by is like, how can working with AI or technology just open my brain and and other humans' brains to like the potential of what, of like, that we haven't even tapped into? Because the way we're passed down knowledge is like, you know, the people before, like they would master it and then they pass on their knowledge and then we add a little bit to that knowledge. But then we repeat the whole thing and we pass it on, and then they add a little bit, you know. But it's whereas the AI machine is like, Whoa, let's take you over here and show you this crazy, unique place, um, an idea. And I was just like very intrigued by how it could come up with different movement, like how an AI machine. So uh, their paintings and, and they'll use it, they call it GAMP, so Generative Adversarial Network, where they you feed it, you're like, here's a painting of a bird and a painting of a cloud and a painting of a sun. And then the AI machine will mix it all up and be like, ta-da, like it combines it. Um, and I was so intrigued by like, okay. I'm like, ballet is such a beautiful art form. But man, do those patterns get boring. Like the formations, it's like they're in a diagonal, they're in a circle or they're in a line, right? You're like, that's not, There only so many hours that you can watch that. Whereas like hip hop, it's like, they're like, in a triangle, they're upside down, they're like in a flip, they're so like doing all these things. But so I was like, what if you said AI, like tango and hip hop and ballet, would it just inspire people to like come up with choreography that's a lot more exciting or different or, um, yeah, just new that would, that would make it more entertaining? Can it teach me new movement? Can I teach it new movement? I've just been super intrigued by really like how technology can inspire human creativity. And be another tool of stressing oneself. Like, I think that a lot of the responses I get sometimes are like, is a fear that robots will be taking over humans? Um, One needs to remember, like, at the era when painters first discovered or learned about the camera, and they were just terrified, right? They're like, all our jobs are going to be taken. They're like, no one's ever going to want a painting. Like, you know, like, what's the point? Um, But, you know, paintings are you know, still really cherished and treasured and appreciated and photography just added a different lens that one could express oneself. And and so it doesn't replace paintings. It just is a different tool and means. So I kind of think that technology will be another means and a tool that humans can express our, like ourselves. But I'm super excited and keen to learn
0: for me it's just still such a complex field for someone who's not in science yeah i feel like it is a lot but i know that you know technology and ai is kind of our future and so it's so insightful to learn Mm -hmm. about and to also think Mm -hmm. about how will it transform the way that i work in what i do for my career because i feel like that's what will eventually Mm -hmm. happen to all jobs I
1: think it's really interesting, though, because I've never thought about AI in this way that you just explained it. I think a lot of people put technology here and then you put human creativity here and it's like, no, they don't mix. AI is taking our jobs. We're just over here. We're going to be taken over by robots and and the universe is going to get destroyed like in the movies. But something very interesting for me that I learned now is that AI is actually giving us information that we would not be able to reach Mm -hmm. with just the human mind maybe in a few you know decades but not now Mm -hmm. so that is just extremely interesting and yeah my mind is like blown Mm -hmm. now so thank you for that (laughs) um i wanted to ask you about being a woman in your field Mm-hmm. What are some of the challenges you face? Do you think it's a struggle that you come across a lot, or is is it pretty normal for you to be in? I, I expect it to be a male dominated environment.
2: Yeah, um, I think it's twofold. Is that one? I didn't feel it that much, and actually, all the males that I encountered in that field, hey, everyone is so sweet. Like everyone is just down to earth so moral so grounded just and supportive of each other and other females so the people that I interacted with were all very incredible I mean I think that there are difficulties and some of them are hey I think the way science is taught every textbook is written by a male and I think it excludes a lot of other males not just women I think as a female and and a large portion of males who I who haven't been drawn to physics or science? It's like if you could just give the why this is important, or just give an overview of what are the interesting questions that are out there, rather than going straight. Okay, first physics class, we're going to learn about pulleys and ramps. Someone give me the why, um, give me the purpose. And I and I think that uh, females and in, in I'm generalizing, but I think we like to know you know, I think there are certain types of guys that are like, Oh, I don't care like I don't need a purpose. I'm just gonna learn about this, right? So that's one thing that I I think I wish textbooks were or the way it was taught would every if you're only gonna take a year of physics, you're gonna learn about the cool questions that are still unsolved. You're gonna learn about what's going on in the in the research world. And then this is the next thing that you'll need to learn. And then and then we can go to like the pulleys and the ramps five years in because that means you're super invested in you can learn about policy ramps, yeah, it's a little backwards now. So I think one is the way it's taught. B is I think this overall pressure of you need to show brilliance right away, and I think that guys have that confidence, so they'll like be like, well, I'm just gonna shout out an answer," and so I'm like you know, so that, that then I think if you're a female and it's just taking for myself, it would just take me longer to absorb something because I'd like read something. guys are like okay i get it you know and obviously these are all generalizations but for me i'd be like oh but but okay so but why the molecule and like well what if it's a bigger molecule or what if it's a smaller molecule or like you know like i have like a thousand other questions that i want to ask before i'm going to accept that statement and just the way that it's taught it's like if you don't accept it right away and you don't just memorize it you're not brilliant having that time to absorb it and i think that there there are problems in the way that yeah. Examples of what people can look up to and what it means to be a scientist. And, and then there's problems as if, you know, you only have male professors. There's problems when you get male professors who don't want females in their group because they're worried they'll distract their res- like their male researchers and that they won't get the research done like, I'm just not even going to engage. Like, I don't know, maybe as a female, I was supposed to like fight, but I was like, we're just not even going to deal with that professor. Like, you know, there are, there are enough lovely professors out there who don't think that way. But there are things like that where you're like, I don't even know what to do with that. Um, If they're only male professors, and physics is a 24 hour job, where you'll be at the lab at 3am. And the professor's having meetings, you know, throughout the evening, because he has meetings with the admin all day like you it's one feels like one's time is a little bit more restrictive because one just is sensitive to yeah a guy and a guy can have a meeting at 3 a.m a male professor and a young female grad student having meeting at 3 a.m like I've never had a weird feeling from anyone but you're just like a, like you just can't do certain things and 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 so you have to plan to have a meeting during the day, but he's mean, and busy all the time. So then the amount of time you have with him is less. Like, there's just like little things like that that just make it a little bit trickier. But I think in general, yeah, I mean, I for a long time, I didn't join any women's and physics groups because I thought it would emphasize that we are different. But then I, I saw like, it does make a difference for young girls. They really pick up on on the environment and what they see. One tangent, but... It was very telling for me. It was like at Oxford, there's this whole debate about taking down the portraits in the dining halls because most of them are all male and like changing it up and adding diversity to the walls. And in my head at first, I was like, you know what? It was history. Universities were run by old white men back then. It's, they were run by old white. Like, why? You know, whatever. It's fine. I work at changing it now. But like, do we, we just keep the portraits up? I was uh, doing this girls' physics bay and there are a bunch of girls who are like 10 and we we're all eating lunch in the dining in that dining hall and there was one portrait of a woman and the little girl like pointed at her and was like oh who do you think she is like with a little spark of excitement and the girl next door was like ah eh, just of someone's wife." but they see examples they see what's in front of them and it makes an impact and so ever since then I've been a lot more engaged and that's why I like doing these robot dances. I'm like we're gonna we're gonna do it to Bruno Mars and Billie Eilish because I just want to show that you can be into tech and have fun and like still be feminine and still be creative and just you know put a, put a different image out there so that someone else can look at it and be like oh I want like a robot soccer player or a robot painter I don't know what but just change it up a little bit because yeah there needs to be a little variety yeah little kids they pick things up so ever since then I've been like Okay,
1: aim on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I notice it around my little sister. She, every time, you know, she's, right now she's 17. So she's thinking about what she wants to do with her life. And she really listens to everyone around her. And she picks up things around her. So I think it's so important to set an example. And like you said, things are changing slowly but surely. And it's really amazing that, you know, you're able to reflect that as well and be an inspiration for others. So Mm -hmm. that is wonderful.
0: I mean, I'd like to just know what advice you would give to someone who wants to pursue, just like you, a career in the sciences and also in arts.
2: I would say give yourself time and do it in your own way. People are going to say that you have to be all oh, you need to show brilliance right away. No, do it your own time and in your own way. I think in pursuing things, with excellence, with that knowledge that putting the time in and that work does pay off in the end. But there's, a, I think, a big difference between excellence and perfectionism. I definitely, as a teenager, always at first strove and was embarrassed if I was, didn't feel like I was perfect, and because particularly pursuing ballet. They're like, this is what perfect is. These are the proportions of your neck to your shoulder to your waist to the Like, right? They have like this whole them. Um, and I had this one dancer teacher, she was like, stop beating yourself up to be perfect. She's like, perfect is replaceable. Being unique and different is irreplaceable. And so if you go to audition and you're perfect, the director can replace you any day with someone else who's perfect. But if you come in and you give a different energy, you give something unique and different, no one can replace you then, right? Like no one can do that. So, I mean, that was a, something she said to me for that dance studio but i just took it for life and i think that anyone who wants to pursue a creative and and science like that gives oneself that freedom to do it their own unique way you then like no one can really like that's that's the strongest platform that they can stand on and in the future um but as long as they put in the hard you know the work and to to become excellent at it
0: thank you for listening to this episode with dr Merritt moore We hope you found this inspiring and learned more about what it takes to be a quantum physicist as well as a professional ballet dancer. Merit has done exceptional work within her field and is currently creating a duet between the human dancer and an industrial robotic arm. We also discussed what it takes to balance two jobs and chase two dreams, as well as the many challenges that women face in a STEM industry. As Merit has once said in previous interviews, Nothing is impossible. Possible just takes time. Thank you for listening and we will see you in the next one. Bye!